right. Thank you, Royce. Thank you. All right. Morning, everyone. All right. It's good to be with you. It's good to worship the King together and um, to give him uh, the praise that he just totally deserves. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for our worship team who's led us into your presence. And Lord, we ask now as you continue to, we just invite you to continue to move freely among us here. And we are going to continue on in the the study of the gifts of the Spirit that you've started us on here, we just offer this time in, in worship and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to just put a different hat on right now. I'm going to speak to you just for a moment as the pastoral care elder of the church. So uh, the elders of our church, we have 13 of us. Uh, We have all different roles. Uh, Zeke, for example, is the missions elder. And uh, Mike Cambrin, for the last uh, 15 years or so, has been the pastoral care elder. But uh, Mike handed that role off to me. And uh, part of my job as pastoral care elder is just to uh, encourage our staff. And uh, this is typically done in the month of October. And I just want to spend a minute Uh, encouraging uh, our staff and having you join me in a prayer for our staff. But our staff over the past year uh, includes, there's eight of us, um, and includes uh, Jamie um, and Paul Rasmussen, who's back there right now, Uh, Mark Symes, who's our director of ministry, looks after property and finances, and also supervises the preschool. Uh, Renee Brownfield, who uh, leads our preschool, uh, which is a ministry to about 100 families in our community uh, that's been going on. Uh, I think it's the longest continually operating preschool in Ohio, so it's been around for a long time. And then uh, we have Terry uh, Kofsky, who is our part-time administrator, and we have Katie Smith, who is our uh, Interim Director of Children's Ministry. Katie's right over there. Do you want to wave? Okay, Katie. And I uh, just want to just say that the, uh, the staff has really been uh, working in unity and purpose and prayer and problem solving and pursuing the presence of God together. Um, and uh, many have made sacrifices uh, to uh, serve and equip our body uh, in a time of high uncertainty. I haven't mentioned Sean Wyckoff, who is our custodian. And uh, Sean is uh, part of the Madison Place Community Church, so he's over there this morning. But we've had to navigate a lot of unknowns with COVID and uh, patients uh, uh, in just so many obstacles. And uh, the, uh, as you can imagine, the different points of view about COVID and the different points of view about all the different things going on around us uh, in our flock. And I, I, I'd like to say I'm really 
I'm really grateful that our flock has remained united even though we have differences of opinion on different things. So I just want to encourage our staff this morning and uh, their job is to, along with the elders, um, their job is to equip everyone to do the work of ministry. And I'll come back to that later in the service today. Um, But I also want to say that the elders, um, uh, all 13, have been involved in praying for and encouraging and meeting with and uh, also uh, blessing our staff. So the staff will receive uh, a gift which uh, is from the elders. They've sort of passed the hat and uh, it's one of the little traditions in our congregation that is a blessing. So I'm just going to pray for our staff and I just want to encourage you as you connect with staff members, uh, just encourage them, um, a card, a note, a phone call, whatever God puts on your heart. So Father, uh, we thank you for uh, the privilege uh, of serving together here in the body of Christ as a staff. And um, I pray your blessing over each staff member. I pray your blessing, uh, Lord, over their work to equip the body uh, for for the work of the ministry and the glory of Christ. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, and if you're online, welcome. We're glad you're with us today, and uh, we're going to be continuing on in our series, and Jamie and I are going to, uh, what we've done with this series, it's going to be about a six-month series, and uh, we're going to be looking at first the gifts of the Spirit, then the gifts of Jesus in Ephesians chapter 4, then the gifts of the Father in Romans chapter 12, and we're just going to look at each spiritual gift on a Sunday morning, and then on a Wednesday evening, we're going to practice that gift, equip the body uh, to serve and to work and flow in their gifting uh, as God has designed uh, the body of Christ to function. And our key scripture for this series is 1 Corinthians 14.1, which is uh, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So we're heading into this series. The goals we've laid out before are to give a biblical foundation for the use of the gifts at Marymount Church, empower Marymount Church members to fan into flame uh, their gifts, to encourage us to earnestly desire more gifts, uh, and to release members uh, to use their gifts uh, in every part of their day and every place that they go to advance the gospel. So uh, we're going to be continuing in that. And uh, Jamie had the wisdom to uh, park uh, a Q&A Sunday or a sharing Sunday about every six weeks throughout this series. So we actually have time to stop and, and uh, share. So Jamie, maybe you can outline what we're going to try to do this yeah. morning. Yeah. And before I do that, I just want to acknowledge another gift to this church which is the pastoral care of Dennis Bosager to this church family. I just want to honor him. I know you're using one hat. I want to honor the other hat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to God. I know he hates that, so that's why I do it. (laughs) Yeah, so um, the the game plan uh, all along has been to encourage the gifts of the Spirit here in this church family, but as we've been saying each week, um, sometimes there's a lot of baggage related to 
gifts of the Spirit and to the Holy Spirit in general because of individuals who abuse these gifts and say things that are not biblical about gifts and about the Holy Spirit. And so we wanted to provide opportunity for, for questions to be asked. So the game plan um, for today, we're going to try to uh, have this message in four parts. One, uh, Dean and I are going to talk through some submitted questions. And just as a reminder, if you have questions, there these, these little pieces of paper are available in the Connect Desk. Just fill it out, put it in the collection box right there, or you can leave it at the Connect Desk, or you can email me, jamie at marymontchurch.org. We've answered a lot of these, uh, some of them in the previous messages, but we've got um, four or five here that Dee and I are going to just tackle. And then we wanted to also give a chance for live questions. So I've got a microphone here. So if anybody's like, hey, over the last couple of weeks, I haven't had a chance to write anything down, but I really have a question about X, whatever it is. Why don't you come on up, and then during that time, live questions, and we'll just have a Q&A time and answer some questions. And then thirdly, we want to have an opportunity to share testimonies together. Um, one of my favorite things about this series so far has been testimonies. Mm-hmm. Where folks come up and share, yep. this is what God's doing in my life. This is how God is, has shown me how to use this particular spiritual gift. And so we want to continue to encourage that. So, so be thinking about questions that you have and then testimonies. What's God doing over the last four or five weeks in you? We want to hear those testimonies. And then, uh, fourth, we're just going to have ministry time. That's right now. We're, we're trusting the Lord is going to show exactly how we're to pray out the service. And uh, we'll see kind of how that progresses. So it's a very open-ended uh, service right now that we're about to experience. So we're excited about that. Sound good? Okay. Uh, we're going to talk through some questions. Um, Dee, I think you got the first one. Yeah, the question is this. Do spiritual gifts appear in moments or are they constant? Um, and uh, this, is, uh, this is, so do you have them forever or can you get them for just a, a moment in time? And, uh, you know, the scriptures are not crystal clear on this question. And uh, we see uh, through the biblical narrative uh, several uh, kind of stunning situations where uh, apostles or uh, those that are sent out, the 72 are sent out, um, that uh, they, they experience supernatural things, um, but they also, the, the same disciples who were healing also uh, come, come into a situation with a young boy who's demon-possessed, and they, they can't remove that demon. So I think the best answer to that is that we often find and, and have testimonies of, of God equipping people in a specific situation mm-hmm. to be able to accomplish a specific task that he has given them. And uh, we see this in the scriptures, but we also see it uh, in you know, testimonies. Um, I know that there are times when I have had the use of a spiritual gift, and I'll talk more about this later, but one example for me is the interpretation of tongues. Uh, I've only done that once. Um, and it was for a very specific situation, and it turned out to be uh, a blessing as um, two leaders were being ordained for service, and someone prayed over them in tongues, and uh, no one knew what they were saying, but I heard crystal clear in English 
what was being said uh, mm -hmm. at that time. And there are others who have testified to uh, unusual uh, insight uh, when they have been present with uh, a family member passing away and being able to speak to them in that moment. There are others who have had gifts of healing that were just in a moment and they, they haven't had that gift as a, a regular part of their experience or their walk with God. So I, I think that it kind of confirms what the scriptures do say, which is the spirit apportions the gifts mm. as he determines, mm -hmm. which to me allows for the possibility that he would do that uh, permanently and he would do that intermittently depending on the situation. Awesome. The, the second half of that question, this person was really uh, intense and went for two questions on one page, which we totally encourage. Uh, the second half of that question was, uh, do words of wisdom reveal themselves to have connection to previous thoughts, or is it isolated in its logic and understanding? And so just as a reminder, a couple weeks ago we talked about revelatory gifts. We talked about word of wisdom specifically, and uh, I gave a definition. Word of wisdom is a solution given by the Holy Spirit to a practical difficulty in one's life. And this is a manifestation of the Spirit. So uh, we were using the example of uh, Jess in counseling. Many times she'll be listening, and the Spirit of God will actually give her wisdom for what needs to happen in this specific circumstance. So to answer this one, I'm, I'm similar to D. The Bible doesn't say word of wisdom is isolated out of nowhere into your brain all the time. Um, so it's hard to really be hard and fast, and that's why anytime we deal with these things, we have to deal with nuance. But the examples of wisdom that we see tend to show that they are something that you are thinking about already. I gave the example of Solomon. As Solomon is listening to two women, and they're debating over the baby that lived and the baby that died, and that Solomon had wisdom from on high for this situation. It, it's a hard, I'd be hard-pressed to say he wasn't thinking about that, and then God just gave some wisdom from out of nowhere. Does that make sense? So it seems like it was a part of, of a situation that was happening. And further, when the elders are gathered, uh, Dennis mentioned this, when the elders are talking with one another and, and considering what is God saying to us, and we're praying, we're asking for wisdom, that's in the context of something we're seeking. So it seems to me that a word of wisdom is tied to something that we're already thinking about that we're seeking the Lord for. Similarly to when James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. And he gives generously. So that's how I'd answer that, that I do believe word of wisdom is something that is probably something that we're already thinking about and God gives wisdom in that moment. Whereas it could be that word of knowledge is more out of nowhere. So word of knowledge uh, I described as God giving us information um, about someone else as an encouragement for that person. And one of the main examples I've experienced that is I'll be walking into a room and randomly I will have a thought enter my brain about someone that I'm looking at. I'm not intending to, like I'm not trying to do anything prophetic right now and God just enters something into my brain. And that seems like something that's a little bit more random. Or I'll have pain in my body that's not normal pain in my body, right? And I'm like, oh, I think God wants to heal someone here. But I wasn't thinking about that. It wasn't a part of my thought process. So uh, that's how I would answer that. Word of, word of wisdom, probably something we're thinking about. 
word of knowledge just coming out of nowhere as, as the Lord wills. And that presses and begs a third question. This is from Ellie Hyman. I'm gonna, Dennis gets to answer this one because this is a fun one. The question is, how do you know if God is talking to you? Or if it's just your mind? I let the professional answer it. So, mm. um, so first of all, uh, Ellie is... Uh, how old is she? Maybe eight or nine yeah. or ten, something like that. And um, what a great question. I mean, yeah. what a great question. Um, so if we examine ourselves when we are quiet and praying, we will notice that different voices are in there. Different voices. Uh, some of those thoughts are our own thoughts. Mm. Some of those thoughts in certain situations uh, come from uh, different authority figures that we've had in our lives. We can have a critical parent voice. We can have a uh, disciplinarian teacher voice. But there's, there's the reality that as different people have authority over us, we, we have different experiences of hearing those voices. When we read the Bible, we are actually hearing the voice of God. He has put his thoughts, his words into the scriptures, so we are, uh, we are hearing the voice of God. As we become saturated in the scriptures, uh, we become more and more and more familiar with the voice of God. Hmm. And I mean by that tone, but also uh, phrases, turns of phrase, idioms, uh, ways that God expresses himself in the scriptures. So when we set about to hear the voice of God, when we read the scriptures, when we pray, and then when we take a moment of silence and we start listening to the voice of God, uh, we will hear some of these different things will be mixed in. And there'll be another voice that can be mixed in as well, which is the voice of the enemy. The voice of uh, disobedient uh, spiritual beings. So how do we sort all that out? And um, first of all, I encourage, uh, I encourage everyone, especially if you're just beginning this process, to write down all the things that you're hearing because you can use the scriptures and you can use reflection to sort that out. What, what is that? In 1 Samuel chapter 3, the boy hmm. Samuel is serving the Lord. He has been dedicated to serve the Lord. He's serving the Lord, but he has not yet heard the voice of the Lord. He's not yet heard the word of the Lord. And then one night while he's sleeping, uh, he hears his name being called. And it's very clear in that example, he doesn't know who's calling him. And he actually thinks it's Eli. So he gets up and wakes Eli up. And then he tells him, go back to sleep. And then he wakes him up again. And then finally, Eli realizes that it's the Lord who's trying to talk to Samuel. And so Eli says to him, just... Listen, say, listen, Lord, or tells him to listen and then to say, 
speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then Eli has his first experience hearing the voice of the Lord. Samuel, sorry. Hears the voice of the Lord. So in that situation, um, I I would just offer uh, several thoughts. Number one, test what you're hearing against what the scriptures are saying. Um, Ask yourself, is it consistent with scripture? Does it fit in with the character of God as, as you are understanding the character of God? Is it uh, an apt word according to your circumstances? Is it fitting in or is it completely over in left field? And lastly, in terms of sorting out the, the, the voice of the Lord and the voice of the enemy, the voice of the enemy will tend to have an accusatory tone. It yeah. will tend to have part truth and part untruth. It, will, it, it won't be always 100% obvious bald-faced lie. There will usually be a little bit of truth and something mixed in. There will be a, a feeling of condemnation. Yeah. There will be, a, a, be like, a, like you're being tarred with a brush. It will be more general and more negative in tone. Yeah. Yeah. Or it will be delusional in some other way. It will be trying to lead you into something that is not a fit with your gifts or not a fit with the circumstances. The father's voice will tend to be very specific. If he is convicting you of sin, it will be very pinpointed and it will be, hey, the way that you responded to your wife yesterday morning was not how we roll. Was not how we, and it will be in that firm, clear, laser-like but fatherly tone yep. Yep. so those are just a few things but if, if it is consistent with the word of God if it is uh, consistent and, and makes fits in your circumstance if it reveals a, a, a knowledge of you that, that is, that is um, clear that's probably the Lord speaking and this is where Jesus says take every thought captive and make it obedient. So the thoughts from us, uh, which, 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 for example, when you're fasting, I'm starving, take that thought captive. You're not going to die. You know, your, your fast is going to be over at some point. Uh, an accusation from the enemy about you or about someone else around you, take that captive. Uh, and, and then uh, something that totally doesn't fit your circumstances you know that's why writing these down that can be parked for later that might be something that's going to happen later and then that general malaise of you're no good you're 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 rotten you're a lousy mom you're a lousy dad uh, that that most likely is from the enemy because it's not specific and then with the lord it's that fatherly firm specific voice that can that can let you know um, he's speaking to you. And the more you do that, the more you practice, the more you will be tuned in to hearing the voice of God. It's, it's kind of like a mom can have seven kids and one of those kids can cry and even the grandparents don't figure it out right away, but she knows instantly whose voice that is. That's how we want to be with the Lord. Yeah. We want to hear yeah. his voice 
and he wants to speak to us. And Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay, last question, and then while I'm answering this, be thinking, because we're about to move to live questions that you guys want to ask. So uh, be thinking about those. <clears throat> last question um, is, is, is really, really good, really helpful. Um, it was a, a grammatic, exegetical question regarding 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. If you remember the very first message um, and the theme passage that we have is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Paul says, pursue love and earnestly, eagerly, zealously desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so we were pressing on that to say that's an imperative command. Like, not obeying that is not obeying the word of God. Which is to say, not eagerly desiring and pursuing gifts is disobedience to the word. It's an imperative command. And I, I express that we can see in the text that we're, we're commanded to pursue more gifts. And we see that in the text when, when Paul is describing the different gifts and he gets to um, various kinds of tongues, that is the gift to speak in tongues, and he lists another gift to another, the interpretation of tongues, which Dennis just described. That's the ability to interpret. Someone is speaking in tongues. It's the ability to interpret what is being said here. And those are two different gifts. But later in chapter 14, Paul says, this is 14 verse 13, Paul says, if a tongue comes to you and you're in the assembly and you're speaking in a tongue, he says, pray that you'll get the interpretation of this. So, here's a gift that you're exercising. He says, in that moment, there needs to be an interpretation because if you're babbling on and everyone's like, what is this guy doing? He says, pray that you'll get an interpretation to the individual that's speaking the tongue. So it shows us that we can have a gift and then we can pray for another gift as well. Does that make sense? And then I described, Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, do not neglect the gift that was given to you when the elders laid hands on you and prophesied over you. So now Timothy's been a believer, he received a gift, and then now some elders have come and laid hands on him and prophesied him, he got another gift. And then in 2 Timothy 1, Paul says again, second letter to Timothy, hey, remember to fan into flame the gift when I laid my hands on you. So seemingly another time where Timothy is receiving a gift. So I'm setting all of that because this is a really good question. If Jesus gives these gifts as he wills, that's what the text says in, in chapter 12, all of these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions them to each one individually as he wills. So we're clear. The Holy Spirit is giving these gifts as he decides. He's the sovereign king of the universe, right? So how do we square earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. I want more gifts. I'm praying for gifts. I'm asking people to lay hands on me. How do you square that with God is going to give gifts as he wills? That was the question that was posed, which is a really good question. And the answer is, this is the mystery of working with God. <laughs> and I'm not saying that as a cheap cop-out. It is the paradox of life with a sovereign God. For instance, you could say, if God is sovereign over all things, then he knows who's going to accept him, Jesus as Savior, or not. So why should we pray for someone to accept Jesus? He's, he's in control, so why would I pray? 
or, or I'm, I'm experiencing some sort of difficulty in my life and there becomes a fatalistic, and the person who asked the question is not doing this, I'm just, I'm making the point. Sometimes we get into a fatalistic mode with God. We're like, well, just let go and let God. He's gonna do whatever he's gonna do. The problem is he's, he's commanded us to do certain things, including pray. So that's my encouragement is it is a paradox. So when we're praying for a gift or we're coming to, to someone who's praying and laying hands on us and we're asking for a gift, guess what? Earnestly desire and ask to receive and trust that he is sovereign and knows exactly what he needs to do. Yeah. So if I receive this gift that I've asked for, great. If I don't, he's the king and we're not. Right. So that, that's how I would answer that question. Is it a paradox? Is it tension? Yes. And that's what Christianity is, actually, <laughs> is walking in tension. So, okay, enough of that. Enough of submitted questions. We've answered those. Live questions. Anything that you guys want to ask? We've got a microphone up here. I'm trying to make it as least intimidating as possible. Any questions that we can answer? And if you're online, you can text those questions right in the chat, and uh, Dee and I will, will get that text. Yeah, John, you want to come on up? <laughs> we're, we're trying to keep it so that online people can follow and gotcha. hear everything. Okay, so I'm wondering about this. In the verse that we, that we read, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And it says, especially prophecy. Hmm. And so my question is, why does it say especially prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so it's a part of the argumentation that Paul, and here in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to preach through, we're going to get to chapter 14. And that's literally Paul's argument in chapter 14 is that prophecy is a, is a, it is the gift that most edifies the body. That's what he says about that gift. And in Corinth, I'm not, I don't want to preach this message before we get to it, but in Corinth, you had people that were using the gift of tongues, and they were acting like superstars because they had tongues, and there are other people that didn't have tongues. And so they're like, we're varsity Christians because we have this gift of tongues, and it seems like, based off of the text, you would come into a worship gathering, and all the all-stars with gift of tongues were just rattling off during the service. And Paul's like... Listen, you're saying a bunch of words, but it doesn't edify. It doesn't encourage anyone. You know what really encourages? I would rather, he said, you know, you can speak thousands of words in tongue, but I'd rather speak five words in a language that people understand. So his argumentation is part of the argumentation of the text, which is prophecy is the gift that is edifies the entire body. And it is a gift that he says, you all may prophesy. There is a universality in some way that when we gather, we can all hear from God and speak what God is saying to each other to build and encourage and edify one another. So it's part of, part of his argumentation. So um, for me, when I see that passage, when I realized that, I was like, I have not obeyed this passage because I wasn't pursuing prophecy at all. I thought it was like the weird stuff that talks about the end times. So I just avoided it. But the Bible says to pursue, especially prophecy. So, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, and I want to just say that there are uh, often prophecy uh, includes 
the sharing of a particular piece of the word of God with a particular interpretation. You'll notice that Isaiah and Jeremiah and uh, Ezekiel, they use a lot of content from the, the Pentateuch, from the first five books of the Bible. They are prosecuting the covenant with the people of Israel, so they're repeating parts of that covenant in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and the, the rest of the books of, of, the, of, the, of the Pentateuch. So uh, an example occurred in this church uh, 13 years ago. We were in the process of renovation and every uh, Wednesday evening when we gathered, Burr Robinson basically would read a, a, a section of the book of Haggai. Do you remember that, Burr? You took us through Haggai. <laughs> uh, you took us through Haggai, and it was crazy how every single message for a, a period of about six weeks, every single message out of the book of Haggai encouraged us to keep going with this plan to renovate our buildings. And it came with spiritual application of that text. And it was extremely, I would say exquisitely timed so that we became convinced God was speaking to us through that book. But it was because Burr brought that book and brought some interpretation along with it and it tracked through some of the main decisions we had to make at the different points in time. So um, prophecy is not always 100% original material uh, specific application to a person. That can happen. But it's also the reminder and the, and the, 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 the um, reapplication of the Word of God. That's good. Other questions? Hey, Joe. Okay, I've been trying to figure out how to ask this one. So here's my best example. And it could be any gift, but let's take the gift of healing. So there's two people. One needs to be healed. One is praying over them. So in the gift of healing, did the one praying over them get the gift so they were healed, or did the recipient get the gift of healing? Who got the gift of healing? Good question. Good question. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, the first, the first thing I'd say, Jill, is that um, uh, there are different situations in the scriptures where it is the faith of the requester yeah. Yeah. that is producing the healing. Yeah. Yeah. Where Jesus says to the Syrophoenician woman, your faith has made your child well. Uh, or um, uh, the healing of uh, the, the man from Jair's son. Your faith, the faith of the person brought that in. There's other situations where it's the faith of the prayer that has brought the healing. So in a sense, I, I think the answer to your question is that God is working both sides of all equations all the time. He is, uh, yeah. he is operating, uh, as uh, Zeke is fond of this word, concurrently. 
He's, he's, he's in a room right, in this room right now, he's working a hundred agendas. He's working on each one of us and he has this capacity to, to, bring, to bring things together like that. So the gift of healing, um, you know, and in, in the text, I, I mean, I preached on that, I, I reminded us that it's gifts, plural, of healings, plural. Now, it just doesn't translate well. So we can, we can probably answer your question both. Both, because he is, you know, he is present and he is uh, executing his will in that situation. But sometimes it's the person praying who has faith and the other person is going to be healed and that will bring them to faith. And then in other situations, you know, the person has faith and so God moves because, or the apostles move because they see, Paul says, I saw that he had faith for healing. So I said, stand up. In that situation, it, is, it was this person that prompted Paul to request the healing, to act on it. So they're both agents in that situation and they're both operating, uh, God's operating on them both at the same time. That's a great answer. <laughs> um, well, this one will be for you, Jamie. Um, I've talked to my dad about this before. How, it, in 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six, it says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Mm-hmm. And... I, I guess my, my question is, it sounds from the description of that worship service that there's a lot of involvement from everyone. Yeah. And in, in, in our sort of era, it seems like there's less so. Right, right. W- what do you, what's your thoughts on that? Right. You know, I think you're right. I think um, in, the, um, in, in the Western model of church, uh, we have elevated teachers to come and speak to all y'all. And the Bible describes worship environments where all y'all are teaching all y'all. So to your point, I think you're right. Now, as 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 an addendum to that, the unique circumstance of the early church where Paul's writing to Corinth, these are churches of maybe 40 or 50 that are gathered in homes. So it's a smaller group where everyone pretty much knows each other's gifts. And so he's describing a situation where people are in homes sharing with one another, encouraging one another, and utilizing all of the gifts in the room. And so I would say um, our small group ministry really represents better what Paul is talking about here. Was that when we gather, we bring our casserole and our food and our lesson and our revelation. Like, we're, we're doing this as family. Whereas the, the larger gathering, these corporate gatherings, really uh, mimic more of a synagogue, um, you know, a temple sort of model where we're, we're gathering together to worship. So I, I don't want to say that um, what we're doing here that has less interaction is bad or unbiblical. 
because there is a temple and a home. We see the early church, temple and home, temple and home. But probably what's being described here is more of the home thing rather than the temple thing. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, I, I just want to uh, just add, add to that because um, uh, there's a question online that's kind of related to this. It's a bit related to both questions, Michael's and, and Jill's. So um, the, the, the church gathering online is going back and forth. They're saying, hey, thank you, staff, uh, for all that you do and lots of woohoos and whatever in there. And then they get in, there's a discussion of prophecy. And uh, Dennis Spurgeon is saying prophecy is God revealing the truth through his church. And um, then the edification point that Jamie made. So then David McMillan is asking, then if prophecy's purpose is to edify the whole church, how can we claim that a message to a single person is a word of prophecy? Wouldn't that in fact be a word of knowledge or wisdom? And uh, it, could, it could be a word of knowledge. Sometimes prophecy begins with a word of knowledge, like, uh, you know, you, you are in this situation, um, which the person wouldn't have known, and then here's what God wants you to do. So there could be a word of knowledge and prophecy mixed together. In the example that Sarah shared last week, or two weeks ago, um, you know, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge about mm. wanting to heal anxiety and fear. Right. And then the person that she brought to that meeting, uh, that happened to be a, a, direct, a direct voice to her. And then there was prayer for healing of that, uh, which, which obviously was part of the word of knowledge. And then her testimony of being relieved of anxiety, uh, Sarah's friend, uh, her testimony of being relieved of anxiety that had plagued her for five years. So there, there's three different gifts going on there. There's the release, you know, of the word of knowledge. There's the, uh, the in, in, in her part, there's the gift of faith to believe that. And then there's the gift of healing. So it's, it can get sort of a little bit challenging to mix these all up but if it involves one person back to David's question if it involves one person and the prophecy or the word of knowledge proves to be accurate and that person then is released into a more free way of living then that is a blessing to the whole church that is a blessing to the whole church that God performs his word his word is true uh, the gifting that has been distributed is being utilized for his glory and he's getting the credit and the whole church's faith rises. The whole church's encouragement rises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Katie? I want to talk to everybody. So I just go into what Michael was saying. Um, there is a challenge to create a family atmosphere from what the Bible is talking about, how the original church was, or the first church was in the home, smaller groups, and practicing all the gifts. I personally believe we do this here, as long as every single person is engaged. And so downstairs, we've got so many, and I mean, some of you are here, you're going to work later, later in the month, whenever, but we have so many people engaging on so many levels with our kids, with small groups and all sorts of things. So that is practicing those gifts um, 
now, today, this morning, as we speak. And personally, Mary and I are going to be teaching the fourth to sixth graders next service. I'm terrified. This is like a super intense class about filling our kids with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so this is challenging for me. It's challenging um, for Mary just to like engage with our kids on a serious experiencing Jesus level. And so that is going on here. And so if we each engage on a more serious level, then it, it will happen. It's awesome. Yeah. Father, I just pray for Katie and Marianne and others who are engaging the kids. Uh, Lord, nothing here is going to happen unless you move. Mm-hmm. And we are totally dependent on you uh, performing your word, on you bringing these gifts to life, on you uh, catching hold of us in our spirits and uh, of doing what only you can do. And you are the author of these gifts. You are the author of the miracles. You are the author of uh, salvation. And we just, we just say thank you. Have your mm-hmm. way with these kids this morning in Jesus' mm-hmm. name. Amen. Amen. Helen? Amen. I think we have room for one more testimony. I think Helen's going to share. And then um, Grab that mic. we're going to... Uh, it's over there. It's on. Just put it on your chin so we can hear you. Um, I'm scared to death. Because I'm not used to being up here. Oh, sorry. I am scared. <laughs> I don't know why, because I know a lot, there's not too many people in here that I haven't hugged. So I don't know why I'm scared. But pray for me. Um, two weeks ago, uh, Dennis... Dennis talked about, am I too loud? Nope. Dennis talked about healings that he had been a part of. And um, I was sitting there in my chair and I was thinking, why isn't he talking about Will, our grandson? And so I, I followed him out the door and I said, Dennis, what about Will? And he said, Helen, you need to tell that. So that's why I'm here. Um, so I'm going to read this mostly in January 2006 our grandson Will was born his birth was a rough one but he seemed to be doing well when we left the hospital later that night we got a a call from our son and uh, he told us that Will was in kidney and Uh, liver failure and would be transported to Children's Hospital. Uh, The next morning the families were told um, that he might not make it. When um, then we called Dennis, that's very important, we called Dennis to come to the hospital and pray for Will. Uh, When Dennis finished, I remembered, he said, um, I have a good feeling about this. After a week in children's, Will did recover. On the coming home day, I went down to children's. The neurologist came into Will's room and told us the result of his brain scan. It showed two strokes. 
one in the speech area and one in his balance area. She, I remember, oh, I'm getting woozy. Um, I remember that um, she said to us that morning, I don't know what I'm sending you home with. Um, children's arrange for social workers to come once a month on Mondays to observe Will's progress. They came to my house because that was my day to take care of Will. And uh, when they would ask me if he had advanced to the next step of his normal development, the answer was always yes. Dennis and I, my Dennis, and I started calling Will God's will. Ah. When Will was about um, uh, three years old, uh, we were in Chick-fil-A. Will was in the play area when one of the social workers that we had had recognized me and came over to ask about Will. I told her that Will was fine. And I said, look, he's in the play area. <laughs> She asked me if I realized that Will was a miracle. Then she told me they had never seen a baby that was as bad as Will completely recover. Thank, thank God. And thank you for coming, Dennis. Amen. Praise God. So what, one of the, uh, one of the uh, segues that I'd, I'd just like to bring as we bring this service to a close, we, we acknowledged our staff in the beginning and we acknowledged the elders and their leadership and shepherding over the congregation. <clears throat> uh, and we'll cover this later in Ephesians chapter 4, but the role of the elders and the role of the staff uh, is to equip uh, each and every single one of us to serve. And every single one of us has a ministry uh, here in, in the congregation, whether it is uh, small group leadership, uh, serving on a ministry team, leading a ministry team. Uh, Raz has developed uh, four members of our congregation to lead worship on Sunday morning. Um, Mark has developed a number of people who can serve uh, in the front, welcoming uh, administration. Uh, so the goal uh, of uh, this, this next the segue from the text we looked at last week and the text we're going to look at next week is that the, the whole body is, is, is operating together, that the feet and the fingers and the ears and the noses and the eyes and the hair and the, the legs and the arms would, everyone would function. And then until everyone is functioning, we can't, we can't actually operate as the way Jesus intended us to operate. And so a church can be seen hobbling down the street because not every member of that church has 
brought their gift into the body, brought their service into the body. And so um, Mark, uh, if Mark, is Mark here? Oh, Teresa's, Teresa's here. Teresa's going to be just passing out. And this is for you to think about and pray about between today and next week. Um, but as we go into the final uh, 15 verses of, of 1 Corinthians 12, um, there are opportunities to serve here that uh, would allow you to fan your gift into flame, would allow you to uh, step into the way God has designed you and uh, called you to serve in his body. So I uh, want you to take that list home, stick it in your Bible, pray through it, and ask God to show you um, if you are serving, you may be serving in an area that is, doesn't feel like your gift because it feels hard and difficult. There are other places where you serve where you say, wow, that was easy. And you get a lot of feedback that that was good for the body. That was good for others. So take a look at this listing. Uh, we've, got, we've tried to lay it out in as, as much detail as we can. And um, this is your sort of advanced homework. But our vision in this series is that we are gifted and we are going for it, which means that we're all, we're all stepping in to service. And that, doesn't, that includes people of every age mm-hmm. have, have a place to serve uh, in our body. And I thought maybe, uh, unless you had something else, we'd bring Royce up and we'd, we'd close mm-hmm. with, um, uh, with just a time of, uh, just si- yeah, Royce, come on up. Just have some instrumental. And let's just spend the last few minutes of the service uh, sitting in the presence of God. Let's hold our hands open and let's ask the Lord, um, how do you want to use me in this, in this season. Maybe you've served in different things in the past. Uh, maybe you've been uh, reluctant to serve because you're busy. Maybe uh, you've uh, seen it as too much of a challenge. Uh, maybe the enemy has been telling you you wouldn't be any good at that. Um, so let's, let's let God have his way as we just have a few minutes of um, instrumental worship. Let's put our hands out and um, ask the Lord how he wants to use us um, as we continue this series. My sense is that... <clears throat> My sense is that uh, the Lord is the Lord is going to um, speak to us. My expectation is that the Lord is going to speak to us, and that there are there are new horizons. I'm, I'm specifically hearing new horizons for those of us here and those of us online, where your Makeup, your divine design is going to be a blessing to others. So, Father, we ask in this moment of reflection 
for your guidance and your voice to speak to us. hear the Father say, I have created you specifically. You are loved. And you are gifted to serve in the kingdom. I feel like there are some of you that think, I don't really know what my gifts are. I, I'm suspicious that I'm just serving in the church in a place out of obligation and not out of gifting. And I bless you with freedom. I bless you with freedom to serve in your gifting, not out of legalism. Father says, you are my workmanship, and I have created you for good works since before the foundation of the universe. And for us, church family, MCC will experience 
what Jesus has designed her to be as all of us discover and use our gifts here in this place. So Father, I thank you for the beautiful body that you are building here in Marymount, Ohio. We thank you for what you're doing here in this place. I thank you for your kind, fatherly presence right now. That you are a good father and you have good plans for your church. So church family, I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to bless you. And then we're going to be dismissed. And I do encourage you this week, as Dennis said, to look over this list, not out of a legalism obligation, but look over the list and ask, ask Jesus, show me, highlight to me where I can use my gifts. And don't be surprised if he also shows you something else that's not even on the list. You're listening. I bless you this week. I bless you with the experience of grace this week. That you do not have to prove yourself that Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sin as a substitute. And by faith in Christ, you are approved in the Father's eyes. I bless you with grace. I bless you with the peace of Christ this week. And I bless you with divine Holy Spirit creativity to see how he has designed you to serve, both here in the church, but also in the marketplace and at your home and at all the areas and spheres of influence that you have. I bless you with Holy Spirit creativity and eyes to see what he has designed you to do. I bless you bless you with the very presence of the Father and the Son. That his face would shine upon you this week. And that he would bring you peace. And all God's people said, Amen. You are loved, church. Be at peace. You are dismissed. <laughs>